Welcome to Lakeside Christian Church. I'm so glad you could be here with us today and celebrate. I mean, already I feel like the sermon has already been done. You know, the testimony of God's goodness and his faithfulness in transforming life is so exciting. And it's just uh, amazing to see what God has been doing lately. Um, and just, I've been just encouraged by it. And, and just uh, an opportunity for, let's have just Mackenzie go today, uh, provide just a moment that I could just share about how she has challenged my life and been an encouragement to me. And just uh, the moment um, where she just came and, and she's like, um, I'm so sick of sinning, I want to be perfect for Jesus, was when I knew that she had went all in for Jesus Christ. And, uh, and she was excited, and she's been passionate, and she's been pursuing. So sorry to embarrass you, Kenzie, but uh, well done. Um, it's been exciting to see that. And baptism is an exciting time for us. And I think on Palm Sunday, what a, what a great time for us to think about God and his transforming power as we look at Christ our King. And we're going to be in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. It's on page 899, and the Bible's provided if you'd like to, to follow along with us. And Palm Sunday provides just a, a great time as we begin to go into Holy Week or the Passion Week of Christ. You know, here in the book of John, the, the first 11 and a half chapters deal with the, the, the life of Christ. And then all of a sudden it slows down and spends the rest of the book on one week of, life, of Christ's life. So much was just moved along quickly. And then we want to pause here. We want to slow down and look at this last week because so much happens in the last week of Christ. It begins on Palm Sunday. It begins on the triumphal entry. It begins here where Christ reveals himself for who he is for the first time, where he allows people to know publicly that he is the king and that he has come for a purpose. And so with that in mind, as we, as we consider that, let's uh, turn together and read here in verses 12 through 19. The next day, a large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches out of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. In this passage, we, we pick it up here in a, a very exciting point. Just a, a, a little earlier, Jesus had went and, and, and raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And news had begun to spread about one, a man who was dead and was buried, was risen to life when Jesus called his name, Lazarus, come out of the grave. And, and the news about that was spreading. And so before Jesus even leaves Bethany and he goes to Jerusalem, there's, there's a clamor going around the city. Jesus is coming. This guy who raised Lazarus from the dead is coming. So let's prepare. And they started preparing by grabbing palm branches and, and running around and, and, uh, and, and, and getting ready for him to come. And why would they do that? Well, palm branches... And laying palm, waving palm branches, laying palm branches down was a sign that they had back then of when a king would come into town. 
And uh, actually in 1 Kings, there's a Jehu rides in and they laid palms down saying, Jehu is king. It was just like their sign to say that we recognize the kingship of this individual. And so Jesus is getting ready to come into the city and they're cutting palm branches down, laying their cloaks down on the the ground and and, and preparing a way. And in our culture, we might look at this similar to uh, at a wedding when they throw petals down the aisle to prepare for the bride to come. The, the guest of honor, she's coming, let's throw petals down to prepare her way. Or maybe the red carpet, carpet treatment, where the, the red carpet's rolled out for someone famous and they get all the best treatment. This is kind of what they're doing with the palm branches in their culture. They're recognizing the importance of the visitor coming in. And they're calling him their king. And so uh, and, and today I want to give you three reasons why Jesus is declared king in this passage, why, as we look at Palm Sunday, the king who is coming, they began to recognize it. Why did they recognize Jesus as king? And why should we then also recognize Jesus as king? And this, this is a crucial point for us because we, we have to recognize that if indeed Jesus is king, then there's two sets of people in this room, two sets of people in this world. Those who have claimed him as their king and those who oppose him as their king. Those who are loyal and serve him and love him and those who are against him. There's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus Christ. When you are confronted with the person of Jesus Christ, you are brought to a point of decision. Do I believe he is who he says he is or do I not? And so when they, when they saw this, the people began to see who Jesus was. The first sign that we see in this passage here that he was king was the dead are raised to life. And, and it said down here uh, in the latter half, those who had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness and were telling others. That's why people were coming to see him. You see, in Isaiah twenty six nineteen, when they were prophesying about the future Christ, the future Messiah, the future king that was coming, one of the things they would see is your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. In Isaiah twenty six nineteen, you who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. So, the dead would be raised was a sign that the Messiah had come, that the king was coming. And, and Jesus, in response to John the Baptist earlier, um, when John the Baptist was put into prison, John the Baptist was the one who came before Christ and started declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. He was preparing the way for Jesus, and he was arrested by Herod and put into prison. And, and John the Baptist, one who was specially called out for God, even found himself in the prison, just the question, is Jesus really who he says he is? And so he sends a message, Jesus, are you who you really say you are? And in Matthew 11, 4 and 5, Jesus responds with this, Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Every single one of these points that Jesus tells John about are all from Isaiah, the, the prophet, that wrote that the Messiah is coming and he's going to do each one of these things. And John, these things are happening because prophecy is being fulfilled. You know that I am your king. And so the, the dead are raised to life in fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus here, as we, we saw, he rode a colt into Jerusalem. As he rode into Jerusalem, he fulfilled, he made this choice to ride a colt into Jerusalem, not a A white horse, not a a grand horse, not a big parade, but a a colt, a little donkey he rode into. And it's in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9 that says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. 
Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is, this is an amazing passage when we begin to think about this. One, by riding that colt into Jerusalem, Jesus was declaring kingship. He was saying, I am your king. Christ our king is coming. And they began to respond to him and see that. But I think it's so important for us to understand that in the culture of the day, the donkey represented peace. The donkey represented a time where we're not going out to war. The king wouldn't ride a a donkey to war. But he rode a donkey in times of peace. And and, and as I was imagining this, I I see like if if you saw a, a triumphal king coming in from war, you know, he'd have his battalions of soldiers lining the streets and he'd be, uh, clad in his armor and he'd be on the horse and he'd be riding down uh, like, and, and just, it would be a fearful and tremendous thing to see. Uh, even if he's on your side, it would be awe-inspiring and say, whoa, that's huge. But the coming in on a donkey, on a little colt, shows peace and it shows accessibility. It shows welcome. The humbleness here is that Jesus was coming and saying, I'm approachable. I'm a king who you can come to. I'm a king who you can know, who you can uh, understand, and who you can uh, talk to. And, and it's so important because Jesus says, come to me, come and follow me. And, and on a donkey representing peace, he is coming into the city to bring peace. And, and one of the other passages, all, all four gospels list the account of the triumphal entry, but one of them, uh, Jesus pauses before he comes in on the, on the Mount of Olives and he cries over the city. Uh, because Jerusalem, had re- he already knew they were going to reject him as their king. And because of the rejection, they were going to face devastation and destruction. And it brought, he, he's like, I'm coming. The king of peace is coming to you, and you're going to reject it. You know, see, he's coming in on the donkey to bring peace, to bring reconciliation. It's Jesus came into the world, so us who are born naturally against God, we naturally don't recognize Jesus as our king, He came to this world to to bring those who are far off from God, to bring them close to God, to reconcile from being an enemy to God to being a friend of God. And he came on a donkey to represent coming in humility, coming in peace with an offer of peace for us. So the dead are raised to life in fulfillment of prophecy. He rode a colt into Jerusalem in fulfillment of prophecy. And then the response of the crowd, Hosanna, is a declaration of praise in fulfillment of prophecy. In Psalms 118, 25 through 26, it says this, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And it's so interesting here that this passage in Psalms is the first place uh, that Hosanna is ever used. Now, in the Hebrew, save us, we pray is where we get Hosanna from. Hosanna means to please save us or salvation. It has changed its meaning over the years from when the, when the psalmist wrote Hosanna, it was sincerely a cry out, please save us. Please save us. It was a cry, a request, help us. We're in dire straits. We're in need of a savior. We need you is what Hosanna meant. And it has changed because the psalmist in writing A cry of desperation for a savior follows it with blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
It was written that preserved for us in the Hebrew, a text saying, save us, please. Our salvation comes from the Messiah. It comes from Christ, our King. And so being so closely tied together, Hosanna has now been turned to a, a declaration of praise. It is save us, we please, recognizing the one who can save us. So when we sing Hosanna, when we shout Hosanna, we are shouting out, salvation is of the Lord. And I was, I was just amazed at how the word had changed its original intent because it was tied so closely here in Psalm 118 to the answer to the request. And so we have these three reasons all according to prophecies written hundreds of years before Christ even came, pointing to the king will come, and when he comes, this will happen. The dead will be raised to life. The king will come on a colt into the, to Jerusalem, and the people will respond with Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so as we look at this king, let's just, just pause for a moment and think of this king who came. He came the first time offering peace and offering a reconciliation with God and saying, come, know who I am. And he came with the intent, knowing, entering in Jerusalem that Sunday, that that next weekend he was going to go to the cross and shed his blood on the cross for the sins of the world. Knowing that as he entered the gates of that city, that he was going to be quickly rejected. And the same crowd who was shouting Hosanna to him one day is later going to be calling out, crucify him. And he yet he still rode in. Because he is one king, but he has two entrances. He, for the first time again, publicly declared his kingship to the world when he rode in on the donkey. Now, there are other times in the gospel where people recognized him as king, but he told his disciples, don't tell anybody. Keep that to yourself until the time is right. He would heal people and say, don't go tell anybody. The time's not right. The time's not right. But as he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, the time is right. Begin to spread the news. Some of the Pharisees at one time in one of the other passages talk about him say, you should tell these children to stop saying that. That's blasphemous. And he said, if I do, the rocks will cry out because I am the king and it's gonna go out and now's the time to go out. The fullness of time had come for the king to enter in knowing that this mission would take him to the cross. And that's why he came. So again, he came humble, one king, two entrances. The first one was humble, riding on a colt. And again, just to, to keep that picture, the, that in their culture, a colt represented peace. The first time Jesus came, the time and the day and age we live in today is a time of peace, where he's extending the offer of peace. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and follow me, Jesus says. He says, if we come to him, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we come to him today. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Every day, people go into eternity and they have to make a decision today. Is it the king of peace that they want? When Jesus came the first time, when he came and went to the cross and he shed his blood on the cross, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again. And after some time with the disciples, he went back to heaven and says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But in the meantime, while I'm gone, spread the news of who I am, that I am Christ the King. I'm your King and go and tell others that I'm the King of peace who wants them to come to me. 
And again, today there are those in this room who, who trust Christ, who, who are all in for Christ. He is their king, and they have the king of peace as their king. But there are some in here who may not have trusted Christ as your king. Maybe you haven't made that decision, and he's not the king of peace for you yet. He's offering, come to me. Come to me for the forgiveness of sins. You who are far off from God, you who are alone and, and separated from God, you can be made close to God. Because God loves you and provided a way for you to come to him through the king of peace. But see, there is another time that he's coming. He'll be coming exalted, riding a white horse. I want to turn here and read this passage in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. If you'd like to follow along, it'll be on page 1040 of the Bibles provided. And here we have the second account of Jesus entering as king. And he's coming a second time for a different purpose. The first time he came as a king of peace, offering reconciliation, offering peace with God, offering forgiveness of sins to those who, who follow him. But one day he'll come like this. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One king, two entrances. The first he comes as a peaceful offering. Come to me, follow me now. Today is the day to turn to Christ. But one day, when he returns in this fashion, whatever decision you have made is final there's no, other, there's no time to change your mind when you see him riding in on the white horse. When he comes in with all his armies and all his splendor coming to rule the nations and to set all things right, it's, you better have made your decision before then because Christ, our king, has come and he is coming. You see, it's, uh, it's, it's God's intention not to allow sin to prosper, not to allow evil to continue. One day he will put an end and he will make all things right. And so sometimes it it gets tough because we try to live for God. We love God and we serve him, but it seems like everything's going against us and and the evil are prospering. Even the psalmist uh, Asaph wrote in Psalm 73, he's saying, I look around at the evil uh, people around me and they're prospering. They have everything and I have nothing. Is following God even worth it? But then he says this, I go into the sanctuary of the Lord and I remember their end, that the king is coming is what he's saying. One day Jesus is going to come and he's going to make all things right. Those who reject God and choose that path, one day we'll give an account for that. What I have to give account for is who do I say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus Christ? He is the king of peace. He is the one who came in riding on a colt to bring accessibility. Come to me. You can know me. You can trust me. You can cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. I love that part. If grace is an ocean, then we're all drowning. If you realize how much grace and love that God has for you, 
It's overwhelming and it's, it's amazing. And to be able to see the transformation in someone's life and see them turn to God and see instantly the change that God brings to a life that says, he's not my king, he is my king. This, this, uh, yesterday I had an opportunity to sit down with a very dear friend of mine that I've been praying for. Uh, I checked my, my prayer list. I've been praying for him for uh, over two years. Um, and yesterday we had a, a very amazing conversation about the gospel. And, uh, and he's coming to that place where he wants to trust Christ as his king. And, and for the first time, his eyes are becoming open. And he's, he's like, it's weird. Like, I stopped cussing. And I started paying attention to what everybody's talking around around me in the same circles. And he's like, did I used to talk like that? Is that me? And, like, what? and it, he's like, it's not that he wants to stop. And not that he wants to change. It's just happening in him because Christ is his king. And he's changing his heart. And he's changing his way because his affections have changed. No longer is he his own king. But Christ the Lord is his king because Christ is changing it. And you know, it's amazing. He called me this morning and left a message on my phone saying, I'm praying for you in your sermon today. I mean, no way would I ever think this guy would ever call me and say, I'm praying for you. That is God. That is the king of peace at work today. And that same king has that same offer for you. Come to him, trust him, follow him, go all in and see what he does in your life. Because God is so good. He's so loving. And he is the king of peace. So on Palm Sunday, we can figuratively get out our branches and and wave them and lay them down saying, the king is here. He's my king. He's my king. And it is amazing truth that he has for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone, let's say it this way, chooses Christ as their king, he becomes a new creation. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. The, the, the fact that you can trust Jesus Christ as your king, he, he makes a new product immediately. Your new creation. And then it says this, then the process happened. I used, I used to work at a factory in an assembly line and I, I'd get all the little pieces and I, I had my one station, I put some, I had no idea what it was going to be at my point. I just put the thing together, send it down the line. But then if you walk down to the other line, all of a sudden you see what it's supposed to be. There's a finished product. God flips that around and says, if you trust me, I'm going to make you new right now, and then I'm going to begin the process. I love you, I'm going to change you, and then I'm going to work on you. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then he continues, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which he has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. That's, that's a, the word for masterpiece. It's God working on it. When you trust Christ, when you say, I can't do it, you can do it. When you trust him, he begins to new work and he begins to chisel away. And the changes are, are happening in you. And, and all of a sudden we can then say with the Apostle Paul, when we trust Christ and we do good things and we live for him, that I've been crucified with Christ. As in baptism, you are buried with God in his death and you're raised to new life. So I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, it is all about what Jesus Christ is, has been doing and what he is doing in our lives. And, and if we just would trust him, if we would turn to him and we'd recognize Christ as our king. I want to share one last passage with you um, before we close this morning. If I can find it. But um, (laughs) 
this is a, a passage that um, God has just been bringing back to me over and over again. And, and uh, we're going to Slovakia this summer, and we're, we're challenging each other to memorize scriptures. And this is this passage I'm, I'm seeking to memorize because it's so amazing. But I want to see how it applies to us here on Palm Sunday. Titus 3, 4 begins. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. I want to stop there. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. On that Palm Sunday, that first triumphal entry, when Jesus Christ rose, rode into Jerusalem on a colt, humble, offering peace, the goodness and kindness of God appeared. And he went through that week knowing he was going to go to the cross, so then he could say this in verse 5, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, Not by just the good things that I do, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's saying he saved us not by the good that you can do. He's not saving you because of what you have to offer, but because he loves you. If you trust him, he's going to wash you. He's going to make you new. Verse 6, who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified, being made right, so we would have peace with God, By his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And as we like to say in youth group, eternal life is life with Jesus begins now and lasts forever. To recognize Christ as your king begins today. It's a relationship that begins now and it lasts for all of eternity. That we get to know, just like getting to know a friend, we get to know Jesus by spending time in his word. Getting out your Bible and reading. You know, the Bible is is God's letter to us. It is our manual for life and it is God saying, This is who I am. I want you to know me so that you can spend time with me. You can relate to me. You can know how to to live. I want you to know what I'm doing for you. I I want you to know everything that's offered to you. When the king of peace came, he brought so much. The offer is huge. But we just have to turn and to trust him. And so this morning I want to close with just this, this simple truth that Christ is the king. He came on that Palm Sunday to go to the cross on Friday so he could rise from the dead the next Sunday conquering sin and death and bringing the offer of peace saying it is finished the check has cleared if you receive it you will be saved he will be your king and you will have a relationship with him let's close in prayer father god i thank you so much for the truth of your word that christ the king has come the king of peace the king of hope the one who we can come to know and to love and to trust and i thank you that he has offered us freely, a free gift that all we have to do is receive and trust. And as we do, he will, he will transform our lives. We will go from death to life, being far off from God to being made close. Lord, I pray today, if anyone here has not yet made that, that, that commitment to you to follow you as their king, Lord, that, that today would be the day that they would say, yes, Jesus Christ, the king of peace, I want him. I want to follow him. I want him to begin a new work in me and that they would choose him, Lord. And I pray that Lord, those of us who have chosen to follow you, that we will again be reminded to live faithfully and to follow after you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.